Hey everyone, Carlos here. This episode with Stuart Brittlestar was recorded in early February of this year, and obviously since then, things have changed quite a bit in the world of conferences, in the world in general. Um, We are here in the middle of March, all conferences have been delayed, and during my conversation with Stuart, we were obviously talking about Social Media North, which he's uh, setting up in uh, Ontario. So I just wanted to bring that up and uh, let you all know that obviously the conversation we had um, centered around a little bit of that, but also a lot about his life as a creator and how he approaches uh, social platforms and video platforms. So I thought it was pertinent, still pertinent for you guys to sort of listen to it. And obviously, uh, take into consideration that the dates have changed. Social Media North is now postponed. And I also wanted to send a quick message to say, please be careful and wash your hands. On with the show. Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we are two grizzled YouTube veterans who are here to help you make more money. We've been doing this for, I think, almost 10 years uh, at this point and have been managing YouTube channels for a very long time. We are here making this podcast to help you understand the behind the scenes of YouTube. Tom, how have you been? Uh, I've been great, thank you. I've been uh, had a couple of weeks of crazy. Um, I've been basically locked in PowerPoint for the last couple of weeks, whether that is working on some slides or presenting. I actually presented two talks at VidCon London uh, just uh, not last week, the week before, and still recovering from that. So, yeah, lesson learned is not to give two talks in the space of a few days, especially if one is brand new and you feel like you need to give it some extra practice. So, but, um, overall, yeah, feeling good. It was a great event. Um, saw so many people that I know really well that I haven't seen for a while. Um, met some new people that I kind of knew online, but didn't, hadn't met in person. And then obviously meeting lots of nice, cool, interesting people too. So yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, so by the time, just so the audience knows, by the time you get this out, FitCon London will be a little, almost a month behind uh, and we'll be approaching, uh, I would say, mid-March by this t- time and we're recording uh, first week of March. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting scene right now as uh, the insanity of the coronavirus is starting to hit and all these conferences are starting to get canceled. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was speaking to um, Rob from VidIQ, actually, and he was like, don't worry, we're young, we're fine. And he's like, no, but didn't you hear there was like a doctor that died? He was like 30 years old. I'm like, oh, don't say that. And then um, as soon as the conference finished on the Monday, finished on the Sunday, on the Monday I came down with flu and I'm like, oh, oh. And then I put my out of office on for a few days to, one, catch up, and two, just because I didn't feel well. And I emailed Rob again and he, I was like, you won't believe it. After our conversation, I got really bad flu. And he's like, yeah, I had a really bad flu as well. So, And then I've spoken to more people since then that also came down with flu. So, yeah, those kind of mass gatherings are just germ fests. A lot of yeah. handshaking, a lot of recycled air. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy. I'm doing a lot of traveling and a lot of speaking at a lot of big events in the next month. So I am going to be taking on a lot of vitamin C before <laughs> and uh, <laughs> praying to whoever's up there to, to keep me free of coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same here. We started to stock up on uh, on uh, disinfectant, on uh, hand disinfectant. So oh, yeah, that's sold out in a lot of shops over here, man. I went to get yeah. some yesterday, none. Even signs yeah. on the front of the stores like, please note, we haven't got any in stock. Like, don't come in and ask us. Like, wow, wow. All right, let's hope by the, by the time this uh, podcast comes out that things are going to be a little bit less crazy. Mm. So, uh, to be, uh, so we're, um, this episode is another uh, interview episode. It is with a colleague, a friend, a local friend of mine, Stuart Bridlestar. I won't call him a, a YouTuber. He's more of an online creator. And he does not focus on YouTube almost at all, although he does have a YouTube channel and he does put his content there. He's much more of an all-around online creator creating you know tiktoks and vine oh sorry. <laughs> i was gonna say vine um and you know uh, twitter videos he actually monetizes on twitter which is uh, a rare thing for a creator these days so yeah like i've been wanting to talk to him for ages because he's bringing a new conference to canada which in a way, is sort of like an homage to uh, VidCon because there's no VidCon in Canada. And I've been wanting to talk to him for ages. So uh, before we get to it, let's thank our sponsor. Take your channel to the next level with TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy gives you the tools to boost subscribers, views, and engagement. One of my favorite features is the bulk copy processing feature, which lets you update hundreds of channels in minutes nothing is better to tell to a client that you'll be able to remove a link in hundreds of videos within minutes they are always amazed when i tell them that tom how can people sign up to tubebuddy yeah if you don't already use tubebuddy which is a miracle because they are awesome um you can get a unique exclusive Video Insiders multi-channel discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Awesome. Thanks, TubeBuddy. So, yeah, I'm really interested to hear this interview, Carlos. Uh, amazed to hear you say that he's not really focusing on YouTube, but then you also call him the, the Hank Green of, <laughs> of Canada. Because <laughs> yeah. um, obviously Hank Green is very much, not saying that's all he does, but it's very much the kind of... Uh, part of his DNA is, is YouTube and, you know, he started VidCon. And so I'm sure there's a, a lot of great parallels, but um, yeah, I'm really interested to hear this interview because shock horror, I don't have a lot of spare time to watch a lot of YouTube videos apart from what I'm already uh, working on for myself or for clients. So Brittle Star wasn't really a name that had, had crossed uh, my radar until the other day when I actually saw a video of his on Twitter, which was a response video to um, the guy that was punching the reclined seat in front of him <laughs> on the airplane. And I've got yeah. to say this video was so, so, so funny. I mean, like I was in hysterics <laughs> and for me to watch a video on, I think it was on Twitter yeah. um, direct natively is just beyond rare. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I was super, super keen to hear more of what um, what Stuart said, and um, 
yeah, just just fascinated because like the, the production quality was great. It was so funny. It was like so timely. It was like so on trend. The fact that he'd managed to move so fast, you can tell that uh, he knows his stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. he's obviously got the systems in place to be able to mobilize that quick to make such a great video. Yeah. So yeah, fascinated to hear what he's got to say. Let's get to it. Stuart, welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's been, I've been wanting to have you for a while. We've uh, known each other online for quite a few years now. I don't think we've ever met in real life. I, feel, I, sort of, I was thinking about that this morning, and I think we've met maybe once at like an industry day at Bufferfest at the CBC Glenn Gould studio. Uh, at it, feels, it might have been really quick. I mean, I embrace a lot of people, so it's hard. Yes. You know, I, I don't see faces. <laughs> I just feel hugs. That's all. Yes. That's uh, all. Well, then you'd remember my hug. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stuart, like you're literally the first online creator we've had on the Video Insider podcast, mainly because we are focused about the behind the scenes. We're not about, you know, we're not a podcast that just wants to jump into whoever's influential right. and, and sort of piggyback off their, their fame. We just want to talk about the behind the scenes and what makes a creator or a business take on this space. Right. So, you know, just just letting you know, you're the first one. So it's going to be, uh, you know, interesting <laughs> okay. conversation here. I'm yeah. not going to tell you like, oh, what about the fans and all that yeah. sort of stuff? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I'm going to so, set the bar high. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. So the first question I sort of want to ask you is like, you know, like for me, you're one of the most sort of responsible, thoughtful creators in the space you're a canadian creator wow. you're not let's just say you're not a million you know follower creator you're you're small mm-hmm. but you're also in canada so sort yeah. of you know sort of evens itself out you could argue but i sort of think of you as the the, the john green of canada meaning wow. like john john's in a space and he's mm-hmm. been you know sort of experimenting in the space but also he's very responsible and thoughtful and you know isn't there just for the fame he's there to teach and, and educate right. and stuff like that so what brought you into space what were you doing before you became influential? Well, I, I, I mean, this is a good question. I mean, I, I've been essentially self-employed since I was 19. I started doing radio jingles when I was 19 in my parents' basement um, and did that until I was 24 um, as a job. And it was great. I mean, I had a couple of uh, part-time jobs here and there in record stores and all that kind of stuff. But um uh, did that till I was 24 and then, uh, and then moved to the UK and then came back here. And then in sort of in the late nineties, uh, here in Canada, Shannon, my wife and I were deciding about having kids and stuff. And we we're like, well, starting to plan. We're like, well, if we have kids, we'd like to be able to stay home with them. So how can we keep doing that? And it was like, well, we'll just have to start a business. So it was around the time of, uh, you know, domain name sales and web hosting mm-hmm. and web development and all that kind of stuff. So we did a lot of that. We had a tech company, I say tech company, web development company from 99 to 2009. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I think my, my approach to my role in social media is based on this how I got here, which is to say that in, a, in two, 2006, December 21st at 1.36 p.m., um, we were doing a mass migration of about a, you know, a couple thousand clients that we had, and uh, we were hacked, like literally in between servers. Um, so we had 
we did, we had a security team like who were, who were hired, uh, and on staff security team, not on staff, but on hire security team who were supposed to be watching this kind of stuff. And they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. And then, uh, we of course did like religious backups and stuff like that. But then it, this was like the worst possible time to be hacked because it meant that we were down. We didn't have the same architecture. So we couldn't just like flip a switch and make everyone's site come back on. Mm-hmm. So it was catastrophic. We went from 16 employees down to just me. Um, mm-hmm. It was brutal. Uh, so it was like super real awful. So anyway, we sort of cobbled together the remainder of the, uh, the company and ended up selling it in 2009 to uh, uh, a guy in Georgia. And uh, he's then since sold it on to a huge company in Canada again, which is amazing. And it's doing really well, which is awesome to see. But um, we took our money. We thought, great. Let's start some more businesses. So, so we started six, <laughs> six different businesses, none of which worked. And the main reason they didn't work was this was like the first time I'd ever felt the, you know, the repercussions of a, of a recession. Um, and it was, of course, just after the 2008 sort of recession and that had drifted into Canada in 2009, 2010. And uh, nothing we did stuck. So we basically just drifted on the remnants of the sale money until about 2013. And I did some voiceover work here and there and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, in 2013, just to sort of literally to stop myself from being depressed, I was like, ah, I'm just going to start messing around and making videos. And then it took off and uh, we had a couple of hits. And then within a month and a half of our first viral video, Disney contacted us and it was like, wow, we can make money doing this. So my view of social media is very much aware of how horrible it can be and how terrible it can be but also extremely thankful for it because without social media, we would have lost everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, I had no idea about that, you know, that story, but like one of the things that I find, it sort of makes sense knowing that your background and seeing, you know, how you're able to sort of like keep business going is because you, you've built businesses. So you know that, you know, you know how to monetize beyond just like, Hey, I'm just going to run some ads and so I'm going to yeah. be some ads on my, on my, on my content. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we want to mention is that I think your breakthrough was vine, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I have total, uh, uh, you know, appreciation towards vine, despite how horrendously I felt it was handled at the end. But I mean, I, mm-hmm. we owe everything to it. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I, um, um, not to self brag here, but I did have a couple of viral hits on Vine, but nice. I just, uh, nice. but I didn't, one of my problems is that I didn't capitalize on it. I didn't right. want to, it was, it was all based on my pug at the time. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 So yeah, I didn't want to, yeah. And then I don't want to sort of like jump on that. I didn't want to sort of use him to become famous. Right. So. See, I used, I used my children. I, if we had pets, <laughs> I, I would have used pets at the time as well. Anything I could use is fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had built up a 1.2 million followers on vine when it ended that's insane and it went down to start over after that crazy yeah yeah and i mean you you know you you've turned this into a family affair right Mm -hmm. like everybody's involved from what i've seen so far is your wife is involved your 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 mom's involved yeah and uh your son who's quite the established tiktok star now right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah so we have two sons and so shannon and i at the beginning of the day uh beginning of the story of vine and stuff it was literally a case of uh we were cobbling together money to pay mortgage um like just just ridiculously bad fiscal scene and when disney contacted us and uh 
uh, and, and offered us a, a trip to California and, and money. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like, ah, okay, we can get paid for this. And, uh, when we went down to California, we actually, one of the nights they, it was for an event called social media all-stars. And so there was like, uh, like grumpy cat was there and a bunch of other like convos with my two year old and a lot of other, uh, social media faces, personalities that had, that had kind of popped up and really took off in 2013. And, so we were down there in California one night, uh, we went for drinks with everybody to sort of get to know them in the lounge of the Grand Californian in uh, Disney. And, uh, we were like, I kept saying to people, so what do you do? And they said, well, YouTube. And so, oh, no, but I mean your job. Well, YouTube. And I'd ask someone else the same question. What do you do? Well, YouTube. No, 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 your job. No, that is my job, YouTube. And Shannon and I had a conversation that night. We we're like, well, why aren't we doing this? This sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, like this sounds like we could make this a real thing. Yep. And just I think necessity meant that uh, uh, you know when Disney said, "Hey, we want all four of you to go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party." It was like, "Okay, kids, uh, this is going to be fun, and uh, if we want to keep the house and want to keep eating, then let's do it." That type of thing. So, yep. out of necessity, I think we work together as a family. But I mean, we've been so lucky. We've we've traveled so many places with our kids and spent so much time with our kids. Uh, and now, I mean, as you mentioned, Gregor is uh, successful in his own right on TikTok. Our older son, Owen, has just came back from a South American tour where he plays guitar. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 been really, really good to us for sure. That's that's amazing. And the thing is, what, what I find fascinating with you and sort of bringing to the, you know, sort of your knowledge and your experience is that, you know, you, again, like you're not, you know, you're not a 5 million follower, uh, you, you know, creator, right? Like you... You're supposed to talk me up, Carlos. Talk <laughs> me up. I'm sorry. I want to be realistic here. No, the thing is, I consider this a credit because yeah. you're supporting a, you know, four, yeah. you know, a family of four. Yeah. And you have like, you know, just shy of 300,000 followers across all your social platforms, right? Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's yeah. very smart. That's that's sort of you being very sort of like entrepreneurial and finding ways to make money mm-hmm. beyond just your your like your your one thing, right? And what's how do you diverse well, like what's your diversification? Like well, like is it just like all different platforms and they're all different coming from well from you know I mean our, our, our big uh, our, our big source of revenue comes from branded content mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, you know some of the younger people that we know that have done really well just from monetizing content on mm-hmm. YouTube and su- and such um, we've made our money from branded deals so like when we did a video called explaining Canada Day to Americans for KFC Canada. Um, and it was like it's it was, in 2017 it was the biggest branded video in the world. And it That's beat up Nike by 10 million views, which was crazy. And they had what's his face, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you know, that kind of thing. We realized really early on that if we could do brand work, we would get paid well, um, much more than we would for monetization. And we would also, uh, have control over what the content was so that our audience that we'd built up with all of our original content, non-branded content sort of felt good that we were doing branded stuff. Kind of like, Hey, look at those guys getting paid. And this is funny. That's good. I like it. Um, so that's kind of been the, the balance for us has just been doing this brand stuff. And I think the, the sort of main reason we've done well is because I feel this really weird niche. There's a, 
a guy named Jason Nash, who is uh, uh, part of the vlog squad on YouTube with David Dobrik and all those guys. And Jason's been a friend uh, for about six years. And uh, Jason said to me about four years ago, he said, you're clean. You'll never have a problem getting brand work. And mm-hmm. And he was right. It's, you know, I think that especially the older I get, which is weirder, um, having started this in middle age already, I think that, you know, the older I get now we're having brands going, well, okay, well, this guy's doing funny stuff. He's not really that offensive. And man, if there ever wasn't every man, this is it. Like he's just a schlub. So I seem to be a good fit. I, yeah. I set the bar um, low in that regard. So yeah. Let's let's face it. Look, um, I'm uh, on this podcast. I've said this quite a few times that you know I used to I used to be a media buyer. I used to be a strategist, right. and you know, safe spaces are where brands want to go. Sure. Yes, we talk about like you know experimental brands and and all these campaigns with influencers, but usually those are experiments. Yeah. Yes. The the space of influencer marketing has matured. Yeah. And people are smarter with their uh with their money and uh, advertisers are smarter with their money and they want you know people with more you know a little bit more of a head on their shoulders that's not just a manager you know sort of like handling them and 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 all that sort of stuff so i've seen very very much you know adult influencers do very well um i'm i'm good friends with a toronto duo cat and net which are moms and again they don't have 10 million followers they have they have a million now right but like even before they had a million followers because they were two moms that were be over 30 like the brands that came to them were big brands sure. and you know sure. they weren't making money from monetization monetization no. is nothing for them yeah. it's brand deals so the the, the maturity uh, uh, of creators here is 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 starting to get really important or it's always been important but it it just feels like it's an advantage versus the other ones, right? Yeah, I think so. I think absolutely. I mean, I think that there's space for everybody. I mean, the thing that I keep saying, uh, I've been saying for years is it's a huge pie. Everyone gets a slice. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's really demonstrated in how siloed uh, social media is. And especially if you relate it to social media fame, Um, I think that, you know, there, I mean, a really great example of that was we did a, we were guests on the Property Brothers Celebrity Cruise in 2016, and we were part of the social media stars that were on this guest, along with a bunch of HGTV people. And so this is a boat, a ship full of 2,000 moms, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I, they weren't all moms, but essentially a bunch of moms, a bunch of drunk, oversunned moms. And uh, I was one of, I think, sort of six other social media Vine people. And I had at the time probably about, I'm going to say like maybe 600,000 followers or something compared to the people I was with who had three to 10 million followers each. Wow. And we were walking through on the first night, uh, through past like the restaurants and casinos and this boat and stuff like that. And, uh, this woman and her daughter rushed over to me and said, can we please get a picture and handed the phone off to a guy who had three and a half million followers and said, can you take our picture? I I was like, Hey, these guys are here too. And they're like, Oh, do you do stuff as well? And I thought, well, this is just a really interesting indicator of, even though I've got like way less numbers, you know, it's so siloed. It's like, just because you have a million doesn't mean that everybody knows you. And just because nobody knows you doesn't mean you have 10 million. Yeah. You know, a really great example of that is about three weeks ago at the Eaton Center here in Toronto, it was essentially shut down because two TikTok uh, creators showed up. 
Yep. And I'm fairly involved in social media, as you might guess. And my mm-hmm. son, Gregor, as you said, is very involved in, in TikTok specifically and social media in general. And uh, we looked up their names. We're like, I've never heard of these people before. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Which is crazy. And it was interesting online. People were like, well, I've never heard of them. And it's like, who cares if you've never heard of them? Because obviously um, hundreds of kids have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really interesting, that sort of siloed approach and realizing that uh, I think for brands, for us, they sort of come to me. I've got a, a meeting tomorrow um, from a brand where I th- they contacted me and said, would you be interested before Christmas? And uh, meaning that they contacted me before Christmas, would you be interested in doing something with us? Do you think it would be a good fit? And the brand it is, which I can't say it, but they were, I, I said to them, I can't imagine a more perfect fit. Like there's mm-hmm. no one, there's no other content creator I can imagine doing this. That'd be a good fit. Uh, and not, it's not just me trying to sell myself, even though I am, but mm-hmm. more a case of like, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work if I was 18. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be the same yep. thing. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I, I mean, that's the part that, I think, I mean, it's fascinating to see how these social platforms have niches within niches, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and you're able to make a living off of being a specific niche or uh, reaching a specific audience. It doesn't necessarily have to be everybody, right? Yeah. And and I think that's one of the key advantages of working on this platform and, and building an audience on it, uh, on these platforms. Mm-hmm. I tend to be a little bit more focused on YouTube. But one of the th- things I found interesting with you is that for you, YouTube is like literally like bottom of the barrel compared to <laughs> everything is. else, right? Your main, your main platform is from what I, from what I see is, is, is Twitter yeah. with Facebook in there as well. And like, yeah, yeah but essentially w- the, the content I see come out and just to explain to everybody the audience here, the content that you make is tends to be, short two to three minute sketches yeah. Yeah. uh you do make fun you jump on you know what's happening what's trending right now in terms of news mm-hmm. youtube doesn't really fit your your ecosystem uh and i've always been fascinated about that because i think you do well on youtube but as an analyst as somebody who knows how the platform works i know why you're not doing as well as yeah. you could it's because your content's too short it's just you know for sure a, and that's just my two cents there. I don't want to sort of like make it seem no, like no, no, I'm criticizing here, but it's sort yeah. of like that's where your voice and the way you create content is much more fitted towards platforms that are, you know, quick, quick bites. You have two minutes to watch a joke and yeah. and, and that's it, right? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think there's, you know, obviously Twitter is a, is a great platform for me because it's a lot of the stuff I get success with is very zeitgeist and very... Uh, to the moment, current events. An example is on Sunday we had a emergency alert about the Pickering nuclear yes. emergency or uh, whatever it's called, generating station or whatever. Um, and I, once it was evident that no one was dead or going to die, <laughs> I was like, okay, I can make fun of this. And uh, you know, immediately I made a video and put it out. And in that video, it did really well. It's got almost half a million views on wow. Facebook, and it's got about forty th- some thousand views on Twitter. Um, but I did it in about an hour and a bit, roughly, mm-hmm. from scripting to filming to editing, and uh, and got it out really quickly. And, it's, and Twitter's great for that because it's—I mean, I can. Everyone goes to Twitter for sort of recent news, newest things, what's happening right now. And then Facebook is uh, a second best, only because uh, of the similar lateral sharing that it has so that if you like a video, you can share it and all of your friends see it much like Twitter Mm -hmm. when you retweet something. Um, and then exactly, I mean like YouTube for me is 
a bit of a repository currently. And I think that's partly just because of resources and time. Like I think that it's hard, you know, if I was planning a big YouTube video or that was a big part of my, my structure, uh, in scheduling, it, it might have come at the expense of, uh, you know, doing a video about the nuclear emergency alert or something like that. Mm-hmm. I might be, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, it's interesting. YouTube actually flew me down to California uh, like two years ago in January to have this conference meeting thing with a bunch of ex vine stars. And, uh, it was a really mm-hmm. weird conference. It was like, they, it was like, a, literally like going to school for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was beautiful location. And then they, they had us at the YouTube space LA and stuff. And it was great. Um, weirdly, Jake Paul, who's a very famous mm-hmm. YouTuber. Um, Jake was there having been a former Viner, but they then presented him with a 2 million subscriber plaque at the time. And I was like, why is Jake here? He doesn't need to learn how to use YouTube. (laughs) Apparently he knows how to do it. But anyway, I mean, you know, they had me down and, uh, uh, John Ushway was the like programming, whatever guy at the time he's now at Instagram, super smart guy, really great guy. He came up to me out of the blue and said, listen, I I watched your world's most series. I've made seven videos. The maximum number of views I got on the, on one of the videos was 700 views. That was it. Wow. And it was just about world's most, whatever world's most, uh, ridiculous treehouse, world's most expensive hotel, whatever. And, uh, he said, I really like this really great. You should do more. He's trying to get a brand involved and blah, blah, blah. He said, but really what you should do is just look at what's trending. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, well, and that's kind of my problem with YouTube is that, you know, unless it's really hard to do something and poke through, uh, all the noise on YouTube because YouTube's not really a destination as such. It's more of a search engine and it's more of a rabbit hole. It's kind of like, I'm going to go there to find a specific video and then I might end up staying for other stuff. Um, and a lot of people, when I do videos on Facebook or Twitter will actually come to me and say, can you put this on YouTube so I can share it? And it's like, well, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> whatever, that's fine. But I mean, you know, I'll do different, it's great for parodies. It's great for licensing and all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's such a, it's like buying a lottery ticket posting on YouTube mm-hmm. for me currently. There's just no guarantee of, of any return that's worthwhile compared to the effort. Yeah, I think, again, like, unless you've been on a platform for, you know, you focus on it and uh, yeah. make it your primary, you know, you're just adapted much more for, you know, again, you, you, you grow into the Vine ecosystem. So yeah. um, it makes total sense that you're doing that. But also, like, one of the things that I was cheering you on for a couple <laughs> years ago that I noticed was uh, your live show. Yeah, you're one of you're one of the first persons that I know to do a live Facebook show. Yeah, uh, I think you were doing it almost every day for a while. We were, yeah, we did, yeah. and we suffered for it. And you do this with your wife, and it was sort of like the morning show. Uh, I think. Oh, sorry, yeah. What's the name again? The morning show thing. The morning show thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I thought it was really smart. And you still you're still doing it, but you're doing it once we a week now, right? Yeah, we did it. We were doing it Monday through Friday, uh, so five days a week at the same time every day. And for the first almost two months, our reach on Facebook was about 270,000 people per show. And then it just suddenly, they, the, they had the, one of their algorithm, big algorithm switches. Mm-hmm. And uh, our reach went down to 2,500 people. And so we were doing it for about a month for a reach of each show of 2,500 people and maybe getting like 300 views. And it's like, why, why are we doing this? We're knocking ourselves out every day. So we had built up a decent little community of people at the time of maybe, I don't know, 
like 30 people who showed up every day to watch. And um, we're like, we should stop this. And they're like, no, no, don't stop it. And so we decided to do Mondays and Fridays. And then we realized that we were getting the same amount of numbers if we just did it on Fridays. And uh, people were just as happy to come in and, and watch it on a Friday morning. So we only do Friday mornings now. But what's really fascinating about that is oh, there's a couple of things. One is the community that we built up is incredibly loyal. Mm-hmm. So we've had... Uh, uh, brand deals for, for example, we did a, we did a show that was sponsored by a life insurance company. Can you imagine anything more boring yeah. than a show about life insurance? Like, good mm-hmm. God, especially for that show. That show is like, like the morning show thing, uh, main demographic is women 34 to 54. So it's like, who wants to get up on a Friday and talk about life insurance? Anyway, people were so supportive. They were thanking the sponsor. They were tagging the sponsor. They were asking questions. They were right into it. So I'm, we're really appreciative of that. What's interesting, the other interesting part is that the Facebook Live, it kind of dove for a bit as they were plagued with like lots of really terrible, terrible, tragic things happening on their live stream platform, uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of shied away. However, in the past like three-ish months, um, I've been involved in these uh, interviews with Facebook uh, talking about um, how to improve their live streams, like how to make them better and stuff. So they haven't given up on it. Um, and I think that's good because I think that there's nothing else like the live stream like we have Mm uh it's like you're watching a show we do a segment called roll call which is like if people who grew up in uh in canada might remember romper room and Mm -hmm. uh, you know miss diane or miss betty whoever whatever generation your miss was she would hold up a mirror with no mirror in it and look through it and then she would say i see jimmy i see Mm -hmm. sarah i see whatever and she would never say my name but we do a segment called roll call where i just you say hi or good morning and then i say your name that's it and it's simple. It's so stupid in a sense. Uh, but at the same time, people feel seen, they feel heard, they feel part of it. They realize, wow, I'm actually in this room with all these other people. And they call themselves the TMST crew. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. One of my questions is, do you guys monetize? Like other than a brand deals, are you using uh, Facebook's monetization? No, you can't monetize live streams. They won't let you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I'm really thankful that Facebook is finally monetized in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Facebook's first creator day in LA. Uh, again, that's about coming up on two years ago, year and a half or whatever ago. And they they talked about all these amazing things they were doing in monetization, blah, blah, blah. And every time they'd say it, they would turn to me and they go, but not in Canada. <laughs> but <not in> <laughs> it was like man i feel like like it's even the guy beside me who was if, like from brazil was like you're gonna get it any second now but yeah. not in canada um so i'm glad that it's here but it's also facebook is weird because it's you know content has to be over three minutes to be monetized and uh as far as making short shareable content that's comedic that doesn't i mean what, what's yeah nothing, nothing's funny for three minutes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that's very true. (laughs) There's a difference between influencers and creators, though. Influencers are living a life that you aspire to be. They sell aspiration. I think that's great. I think that's awesome. Content creators are creating content that's kind of on its own, separate, doesn't necessarily connect to them 
to the person specifically. So that's, that's my a great difference. way to put it. Yeah. Is it just me or is it like there's a lot of Canadian creators? So this is, it feels like, you know, there was a quite, quite a rush uh, over the last, you know, five yeah. years. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, even that, uh, even, I mean, it has, it's been that way for a long time, of course. You yeah. think back to like Epic Mealtime and yeah. Matthew Santoro and Lily Singh and uh, even going to 2013 at that first Disney Exact event. Science. Oh, like absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's Tom way more. Two year old and Mike yeah. Tompkins and all these people. Uh, incredibly talented and uh, and Canadian. I remember meeting Mike Tompkins for the first time uh, in California, and I walked over to him and I said, "The pride of Ilderton, Ontario." <laughs> Ilderton's is a <laughs> tiny, tiny town where he's from, uh, and it just like it shook him to his core. Y- yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And what's really been interesting is I've been working on this event called Social Media North, and uh, now that it's the trains leaving the station and things are happening, people are more, uh, they're finding out about it. And they're kind of getting contacted by creators and their managers saying, hey, listen, this person's got 1.4 million followers and they live in Thunder Bay. And it's like, what? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, they absolutely can come. Um, so I think that Canada, I mean, obviously, you know, I think people are kind of generally aware of the stats, but I think we have some sort of crazy amount of people like 84% or higher of the Canadian population are on uh, the internet, if not social media. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a cold country and I think people spend a lot of time <laughs> on social media. I think that people are realizing, I, I, my thing recently has been telling people, you know, what's happening now in social media in Canada is uh, what was happening in social media in 2013 in the U.S. And yeah. that's, not, that's not to disparage Canada. That's not to... There's lots of terrible stuff that happened in social media in the U.S. So we've, hopefully we can learn from those lessons. However, I think that there's a lot of people realizing, oh, you can make money from this. I had a meeting yesterday. The person I was meeting with uh, was genuinely surprised that there were other people on the internet making money, making content for social media. And I was like, man, it's been like this for years. Yeah. Yeah, it's still fascinating when you talk to people do that aren't into this ecosystem that don't understand mm-hmm. that there's a, there's money to be made. Uh, speaking of Canada and uh, and the wonderful creators, you're creating something in Canada that's unique, and this again puts you in that whole like the John Green of Canada <laughs> because John Green created VidCon. And you're creating Social Media North, which is a very similar to VidCon sort of, it like, is. Uh, you know, a gathering. Mm-hmm. And you're doing this in, in a unique space. You're, do, you're not doing this in a major, you know, no. Canadian hub. You're doing this in your hometown. That's right. Uh, Stratford, Ontario. Yeah. Like, why did you want to do this? Because, again, I know it's about you, but like a little bit about me here right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's been a Buffer Festival in Toronto, sure. but, you know, yeah. it... it it's been morphed over many years and it's sort of like came in and we thought, oh, it's going to be Canada's VidCon, but it didn't yeah. turn out to be Canada's VidCon. Mm-hmm. VidCon's expanding and yeah. there's been rumors for years that VidCon would come to Canada, but they're not doing it. Yeah, I personally think what's going to happen, and this is my prediction here, I'm is ready. that you're going to prove the po- you're going to prove the model. Yeah. Then VidCon's going to come in, <laughs> and then VidCon's going to come in. Bastards. That's essentially it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where they're now that they're owned by Vidicom, they don't they don't experiment. They don't like no, you know, as no. much. So yeah, they're going to wait. It. Yeah, they're yeah. going to wait and see McDonald's setups in the corner, and then they're going to come in and uh, and say, "Oh, it's safe on that intersection." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell us about Social Media North. 
I'm slightly terrified now of what you just said, but that's okay. I'll, I'll approach <laughs> it like uh, I'll approach that whole scene of uh, potential having VidCon come in here uh, with the notion of uh, in our town here in Stratford, there was a blockbuster video that came to town. Like this is obviously a blockbuster was going around, and it was right across the street from a uh, a locally owned video store, and and everyone was like, "Well, that's it for the locally owned video store," and people just took such a stand that, that the blockbuster closed after a year. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it. So that's what I will do. I will employ the video plus book <laughs> model uh, to uh, take down VidCon. No, I'm just kidding. There's lots of pie, like I said. It's, it's a yeah. huge pie. Uh, so Social Media North, uh, I mean, I've been going to VidCon and Playlist Live uh, events for over six years now, and um, I love them. I think they're re- amazing. Uh, I mean, you know, VidCon is a... I prefer Playlist Live over the two, but VidCon is huge. Like VidCon is massive. 75,000 people this past year at VidCon. Um, and it's the first time I remember being told by Matthew Santoro, I got invited to Playlist Live and I was like, oh, I don't know if we should go or not. I don't know. Is it worth it? And uh, Matthew Santoro said, you got to go because you show up and you meet a bunch of other people who are doing the same thing as you. And it shows everybody else that you came to play. And he, he was absolutely right. It was, you know, you go and you meet people and it was just phenomenal. Like I really, really love those events a lot. There's lots of stupid little turds, uh, who feel entitled and whatever, but there are more good people than turds, which is good. Um, and you get to connect directly with the people who are consuming the content you're creating and also connect with people because it's so siloed in social media, you can go and find uh, someone who's also a fan of whoever. Um, whereas maybe in, you know, in your circle of friends, you're the only person that watches uh, ASAP science or, or, you know, whatever it was at the time. And if you go to a playlist live, you can meet someone else who's also, you know, a huge fan you can hang out with and, and talk with and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I love those events. And I, I, for the past like three or so years, I'd been talking to Playlist Live saying, you got to do this in Canada. You got to do this in Canada. And they have no interest in doing it in Canada whatsoever. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's the mention of HST that makes their eyes glaze <laughs> over or whatever it is, but they just have no interest whatsoever. And Just FYI, uh, HST is a local tax. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Harmonized sales tax. Nothing mm-hmm. musical about it. They... Uh, had no interest in coming into Canada. And I think that, that sort of got my back up a little bit. I mean, I still love them. But that got my back up a little bit as a Canadian uh, because I thought, well, why? why? I mean, we have the same population as California. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't think of ignoring California. Why are they just leaving all this money on the table in Canada? This is craziness. And never mind that. Why are they just kind of ignoring a whole population of millions and millions of users who are consuming this this content? So that kind of spurred me on to do it. And I thought, well, I'm going to uh, try to create something so that at the very least, I can uh, invite those creators that I've met over the past six years that I like, and we can hang out for a weekend. And it'll be fun. And uh, it'll be a good time. I can show them a bit of Canada. And it'll also show Canada that we can it's okay for us to take ourselves seriously in this regard i mean we never take ourselves too seriously which is good i think that's part of the canadian way um but we can take ourselves seriously enough that it's like yeah it's okay to go and celebrate what's happening in canada with not just canadian creators with creators from all over the world but that idea of like yeah it's cool and i think we owe a lot of that this is a really weird segue but i think we owe a lot of that to people like drake i think that it's made it okay to be from canada (laughs) 
You know what I mean? If you yep. can film a music video in Collingwood, you can do anything, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, I was very happy to see that you were doing that because I do feel like there's a need. I, I know why, uh, you know, the VidCons in this world don't come here. It's the yeah. same, same situation as with brands and advertising. And, and that's essentially what pulls it, right? Like when, yeah. uh, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, when I worked in agencies, like the budgets that we get are usually like a fifth, uh, if not 2% of oh, what God, the American yeah. budget was. Yeah. And, even the brand managers, the, the clients that are Canadian clients for the big U.S. company, they were usually just following the lead of the U.S. company, the U.S. Yeah. Uh, marketing. So they're usually the last one on the list that get their budget. So, you know, like it's easier to sell uh, an event in the U.S. than it is to sell a, an event in, in Canada. And mm-hmm. I think we end up proving them wrong with time with, you yeah. know, just, you know, creating the event and then making it work and having it grow and like, you know, fundamentally, like what's your goal in terms of like the first year in terms of attendance? Well, the first year is obviously going to be tiny. Like when people ask what it's going to be, I mean, like I say, it's going to be like a mini VidCon or a mini uh, playlist live Mm -hmm. in that we're going to have, there's two days. There's a business day on the Friday, Mm -hmm. which is more geared to content creators, uh, industry professionals, agencies, brands, that kind of thing. Um, Getting together in a small group and uh, doing panel discussions and all that kind of stuff and networking. And that's going to be only 250 people. And then the next day is community day, and that is open to up-and-coming creators, fans, all that kind of stuff. There's going to be performance stage uh, for onstage interviews, Q&As, performances, there's exhibitors, and there's uh, two meet-and-greet uh, lounges as well. And that'll be for about 1,200 people. So this is... It's still a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> it is for, for Stratford, Ontario. Yeah. Coming from the guy who's doing it, I can tell you it's a lot of people. But I, I think that... Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how it transpires if all goes well. I mean, I think that there's, it's going to be fun regardless. And I think that's kind of been my, my mantra is don't worry about it. Just make it fun. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things. One, doing it in Stratford, uh, I have to keep reminding people, not have to keep reminding, I occasionally have to remind people it's not a Stratford event. Uh, it's a Canada event that happens to be happening in Stratford, much like the World Media Conference happens in Banff. That's not a mm-hmm. Banff event, even though Banff has mountains and we don't, but we have lots of pigs in the theater, so that's good. And Bieber as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people, you know, I've only had three people ask me about Stratford, like, you know, why are you doing it there? And it's like, well, half a million people make their way to the theater every year here in Stratford. And 18,000 people went to the Justin Bieber exhibit last year from all over the world 18,000 people case in point my oldest son as he was on tour in south america he played paraguay uruguay argentina and buenos and uh uh, chile he when they'd ask the the kids who were at the shows would ask him where he's from he'd say stratford every single country there was a kid who said i was there last whatever to see the bieber exhibit oh i was there last month i was there two months ago to see the just crazy phenomenal for me um but i think that uh it is important to do as you're mentioning like canada gets kind of forgotten and the budgets are a tiny percentage and i mean just as an aside here when you're talking about that stuff i crossed my legs i was getting so angry um (laughs) two anecdotes one we have a friend who's a tech reviewer and uh he does reviews for uh best buy and does like for their content, not just their site, like not just like verified purchase type of thing, like meaning he reviews content for uh, tech products for them. And he was telling me, as I mentioned to him about, you know, maybe connecting with Best Buy to help uh, be a partner for Social Media North. And he's like, listen, uh, 
I'm their tech review guy and I have to wait until every other Canadian tech reviewer is done with whatever product I'm reviewing before I get it because the US company sends up one Chromebook, phone, whatever, whatever it is you're reviewing. And I was like, that's insane, which is crazy. So, I mean, that's one example of how Canada kind of gets like, eh, it's Canada, who cares? And I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that the U.S. or the Americans are evil for that. Some of them are, but not all of them. And I think that, you know, the other anecdote is uh, uh, I did a last year in the baby, it's cold outside thing uh, was all sort of a, a hubbub in the news and stuff. People were upset about the song and the lyrics. Yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, I remember. And so I did a, a parody version of it where it was just the female vocals. And then after everything, the female vocal line finished, I would just say, okay. All right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just be like agreeable and like, okay. Yeah. It's time to go. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, and it did really well on, uh, Twitter and it was doing okay on YouTube. I knew on Facebook it would kill though. So I sent mm-hmm. it to my two contacts at Facebook who are wonderful guys, just in case you're listening. Um, no, they are actually really nice guys. But for a year and a half, I've been asking them if Facebook had a licensing deal for, uh, use of music in uh, videos. I mean, like, if you can't monetize, if I can't monetize this because it's someone else's song, that's fine. I just don't want to have to have my page pulled for copyright. Mm-hmm. And both of them said, "Yeah, we don't know. You should maybe just post it personally on your page and see what happens." <laughs> wow! And I was like, "Come on, guys!" And then anyway, five days later, a friend of mine, uh, Penn Holderness, who's a super talented, funny guy. He did his own version, like not saying he ripped off my version, but literally he just had his, obviously it was a big talk and it was, it fit what he was doing. So he did his own version and within a week he had 70 million views. And I was like, damn it. Like, this is crazy. Like I was stuck literally because I was in Canada. I missed out on all of that profile and attention. Uh, and again, just because I'm Canadian, I thought this isn't right. So that was kind of like the main impetus for social media North was to, kind of make it so we can't be ignored anymore and to kind of show each other, like show Canada and other Canadians that it's okay to take ourselves seriously. It's okay to think that social media and content creation is a lot, is a, is a real thing in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to show the world, uh, AKA America, that Canada is worthwhile paying attention to. And I think both those things can balance out. There's two creators we have coming from the East coast, one from Halifax, one from Newfoundland. And they both have exploded on TikTok in the past uh, three months. Um, and I think like the, one of them is like 140,000. The other one's like a, over 100,000 recently. And, you know, if you have 100,000 followers and you're from Weybush, Newfoundland, mm-hmm. um, that's huge. Like that's, yep. your, you know, that's a massive following. Um, that maybe doesn't get you noticed in, in Toronto or Vancouver or wherever or LA or something, but from a, a brand perspective or an agency's perspective, my God, why are you tapping into that people? She's this person is obviously resonating with, you know, that region. So make it happen. Obviously from a you know Canadian perspective, like the, the, the problem 
for for creators is that we're stuck with um, our market being uh, a fraction of the budgets of, of American markets, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, from you know the agencies to the uh, media players to the platforms, like every single time you talk to a, a Canadian rep or somebody that works in the Canadian side of things, they're like always have to refer back to uh, somebody in San Francisco or New York, and, yeah. you know, get their permissions and stuff like that, right? And then mm-hmm. there's also the fact that, you know, you might be, you know, big on TikTok and all that sort of stuff, but then, um, or on, on YouTube, but when you look at the, the, the nitty gritty, the, the platform analytics, you see that your percentage of views are coming from all over the place. And sure. obviously a big, big chunk of it comes from the U S mm-hmm. and then, you know, when a media buyer looks at, you know, their return on an investment, they have to make sure that they're buying media that doesn't spill in the U S as much as, as it should. So when you're mm-hmm. buying a creator that has, you know, 70% of the views going in the States, well, that's a lot of waste. So they're always going to lowball you, Uh, and all that sort of stuff right so yeah it's not a fun uh ecosystem for us because of our dependence of the u.s that's for sure yeah it's an interesting situation i mean i think that uh you're right i mean obviously the the bulk of ad spend and stuff and marketing spend uh takes place in the states because it's 10 times the size of uh canada um I think one of the things that's overlooked, though, is, of course, I mean, there's a big difference between branded content and uh, a general media buy, like buying a TV commercial or something, mm-hmm. or, or an ad in a magazine or whatever. Um, if you're buying branded content uh, from a creator who has, just for argument's sake, has like 100,000 followers on whatever platform, and... Uh, let's say 60% of those people are in America. Well, there's still 40,000 people in Canada or wherever else say there is. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we're just not in, in Canada for whatever reason, we're just not entirely up to speed yet. I think I may have said earlier in this conversation as well that, you know, I sort of feel like Canada is where the U S was in 2013, 2014, as far as social media and branded content goes. And I think it's just a case of realizing Oh, there's lots of ways for us to take advantage or capitalize on these connections that these content creators have made uh, in Canada to Canadian markets. And that's, I mean, that's changing now, which is great. And that's one of the reasons why I'm able to still, you know, do this as a living and, and support a family of four. <laughs> you yeah, know, do this. Uh, and it's good, you know, it's, we've got companies, uh, you know, Canadian companies like, you know, like Club Coffee or something, or, or even like uh, Canadian subsidiaries like Scott's or something who are realizing now, oh, well, we can capitalize on this Canadian market you know, using someone who's hitting someone, hitting the, that audience directly. And even though 55% of my audience might be in the U S they can see that a good chunk of the remainder is from Canada. And that's, you know, that's, that's still a lot of people. We've got 10 yep. times less people. So a hundred thousand goes a long way. Yep. Yep. You're right. So, um, it's not something we're going to solve ourselves. But, <laughs> what? Uh, what? <laughs> All right. So, you know, obviously I'm very interested in uh, how you get your content out, mm-hmm. you know, how you mon- and not just how you monetize it, but like, you know, you're very, again, you're, you're outside of the ecosystem when it comes to the YouTube ecosystem. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like how do you get so much of your content on a regular basis out? Because from what I see, you're almost, a, almost daily, you come up with a good a good sketch, right? <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's not it quite like daily, it. but uh, I mean, I think I've, one of the things 
I did a lot of work in social with uh, with Drew and Jonathan Scott, the Property Brothers guys. And one of the things that I remember Drew saying to me was, uh, like about a year into it, he's like, you know, here's the secret: is that once you get sort of a good catalog of content and material, you can then start essentially doing reruns uh, mm-hmm. or repurposing content, and that really helps as far as being a you know, for all intents and purposes, a, a one man show, there's certainly crews that we work with for different projects, but in general, like for the Twitter videos I'm doing and the most of the Facebook videos is just me. That's you mm-hmm. know, filming that scripting, filming and editing and, and uh, all that stuff. So I, I put out a video today that I recorded and filmed in 2017 and it did okay then. And so all I did was update it, trim it a little bit and, uh, and added some captions that really helped you know, make it fresh again, basically. Yeah. yeah that's something that I remember as specifically noticing with you, because obviously I noticed you mostly on, on Twitter because TikToks just makes me feel old, but, um, <laughs> but no, but it's sort of like you use a lot of like what I would call traditional marketing tactics, mm-hmm. right. Of like, not just like, Oh, I'm just a piece of content and I'm going to move on to the next one, move on to the next one. You're like, you go back to your library, you'll, you know, repost, you'll retweet, just basically almost like a, a traditional social media strategy. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, a lot of value to that because there's this, you know, nonsense sort of subconscious feeling that you get as a content creator or someone who puts content out in social media where you think, oh, I've already posted that a year ago. Everyone mm-hmm. has seen it. <laughs> You know, it's yes. like, well, no, they haven't. First of all, guaranteed all the people that now follow you between then and now haven't seen it, mm-hmm. uh, or most likely haven't seen it. And plus, I mean, you, you just, it's, it's essentially impossible to oversaturate social media and, and the internet in general. Yeah, so right. there's still, even though something's been out there, I mean, there's still, uh, but I mean, and you're right, it applies to sort of a traditional as well. Last night I was on a bit of a, uh, the Simpsons bender on the, <laughs> the Disney, what's it called? Plus Disney plus. Disney plus. <clears throat> and so I was on a bit of a Simpsons bender last night and I was maybe like season, Oh God, I don't know, like 16 or 17 or something. Oh, and, you're touching those. Oh, oh. <laughs> but I was playing them and there was a couple episodes of played, and I was like, I haven't seen this. And I mean, I watched the Simpsons religiously mm-hmm. and have since, uh, since 80, like 89. And so it sort of lended a uh, weight to the argument that it's like, it's, it's okay to sort of put stuff out there that has already come out as long as it's, you know, if I'm making jokes about, uh, you know, Arsenio Hall and you know, <laughs> Clinton being impeached, it's like, oh, that's not going to be fresh. But today's video is just, you know, a, a dramatization of me explaining what fidget spinners are to my Scottish father. So oh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's not really connected to any particular event apart from that moment in time. So, yeah, I mean, um, you'll be forgiven for not watching as many Simpsons as we used to about 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, from what I've seen, uh, they've, they've really like jumped the shark on that series. Uh, at least shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> I haven't watched it in like, I would say eight years. At this oh, point. you gotta but, get, uh, there was like one really terrible season where it wasn't even terrible. It was just like, didn't make any sense. And then it kind of, it's curved back around. I'm still a big believer in it. I'll be super sad when it goes off the air. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that so I'm, I'm happy that it's lasted this long and it keeps going. But now yeah. you're talking, you're starting to hear, you know, Hank Azaria just uh, announced that he was going to quit. Yeah, and retire to a new character. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and I was like, oh man, and now that the characters are no longer, you know, PC. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how old the show is, right? <laughs> oh my god, they're not just dying out. 
off. They're like, they literally need to, to cut them out because they're no longer PC. And, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's not get into a big Simpsons uh, discussion <laughs> right, at this right. point. So um, obviously you're one of the people that's always on the cusp of the latest social media app. And funny enough, I heard you on a friend's podcast, uh, Michael Hainsworth's podcast, yes, yeah. talking about, uh, what was the name of this uh, app that was sort of like TikTok that you were trying out? Uh, are you referring to Byte, the new app? No, to- no, no. I was referring to. We'll get to Byte pretty quickly, but okay. it was it was sort of this purple logo. I forget. Oh, Thriller. Oh, Triller, 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 Triller. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. an '80s kid, so obviously yeah. I think Thriller. <laughs> yeah, no, Triller. Triller's been around for. I was going to say forever. In social media terms, it's been around forever. I must but have ignored it. it. It's like it's totally meant for making essentially music videos, and I actually saw. Uh, the Triller video that uh, Michael Hainsworth and uh, Alan Cross made uh, to a Van Halen song, Panama, and it was really terrible. It was really, really <laughs> um, But the idea is like you can sort of you pick a 16-second clip of music and then you do whatever you want to do to it, sing along, let's say lip sync or something, or dance along. You do that from a whole bunch of different takes, and then it just randomizes those takes but keeps everything in sync. So you end up with a music video, which is wow. kind of which is cool. Yeah, and I think uh, we were getting into uh, that one. I sort of tried it out, but again, I, I sort of like tuned out yeah. pretty quickly. But yeah. um, the the one that's as we speak, literally as we're speaking right now, is blowing up the internet. And mm-hmm. you know, this episode is probably going to come out like at least I would say three to four weeks from a recording date. But it'll be uh, dead by then. Yeah, <laughs> is, is the return <laughs> is the return of Vine in a way is a bite. And, yeah. um, everybody's sort of like, it feels when you're looking at Twitter right now, like everybody's just jumping on it. And I saw, <laughs> I just saw somebody tweeted about like how there's, you know, there's already like squatters all over the place yep. and all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. first impressions, uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, how does it feel for you? I mean, I, I mean, one of the, as a viner, of, as somebody who grew yeah, up on vine, right. You, must, I, uh, you know, Karen Spencer on Twitter, she, she used to be, uh, very high up in Vine, head of Vine, essentially. And um, she's super awesome. I like her so much. She's now in charge of social media marketing for Target in the States. And she's great. She's amazing. And she tweeted out, she's like, how's everyone feeling about this? And uh, Karen and I have had our talks before about Vine and the demise of Vine and all that kind of stuff. But my response to her question today was, I have trust issues. Mm. <laughs> I just, I don't, uh, you know, I think it's important to remain as a content creator to remain you know, platform agnostic and sort of just like not, so, you know, platform loyalty is what I subscribed to when I was on Vine. I loved Vine yeah. so much. Without Vine, you know, we would have been ruined. So I think that, uh, and that's no overstatement. It's just, it's absolutely true. So I'm incredibly thankful for what Vine offered us and what Vine did. Uh, and I was loyal to a fault to the bitter end. And that mm-hmm. was my, that was kind of a tragic flaw on my part. I should have been not so loyal and been, you know, planting seeds elsewhere way earlier than I did. So I think for the case for Byte, it's super fun that it's it's coming out. I think people are excited because one of the same reasons people are excited for Vine is you, there's it's only six seconds. And so the commitment level as a viewer is super minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and the payoff could be really good. So it's like watching, it's like a little lottery draw every, every new video you pull up. Yeah. It could be crap, it could be great, but it's a super low uh, stake that you have in it. Um, and I think that the key to the format is the same... It's key to the format for TikTok success, to be honest. I think it's it's the fact that you've got a feed that is all 
restricted by the same parameters and you know what you're getting on the next one. Like you're just, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep rolling through it and you know, you can consume it as opposed to some text, some videos, some long videos, some short video. It's like, it's just going to be the same, the same thing through us. It's the only thing that's changing is the actual content of the content, which I think is why people yeah. are excited about it. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about a, a, an app with focus, right. And, and mm-hmm. an app that stays a little, you know, like, yes, experiments with different formats and stuff like uh, everybody's, I think, um, as we speak, we're talking about like, um, you know, the death of IGTV as the right. buttons going away. And now, um, I just read, a an article about how IG, I, Instagram's just trying to be everything. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was sort of like what's, turned facebook into like a not cool platform yeah, right yeah yeah because everybody's on it and it's no longer like about your your tight-knit community and yeah that's one thing that i've you know uh, being on the internet for you know 20 years now mm-hmm. you start realizing that mass is destroys platforms right mm-hmm. like as soon as you try to go mass and mm-hmm. yes mass goes big big brands big advertisers and stuff like sure. that but it completely destroys engagement and you know uh loyalty to it yeah you know when i look at and again sort of going back to the youtube side of things is that Every say, every few months, I get a little bored of it, and I'm like, oh, "Is is is this done?" And then yeah. I jump into a new for for some odd reason, I I find a new community within mm-hmm. YouTube mm-hmm. and realize, "Holy crap!" There's a whole people obsessed with X type of content right. that are just outside of the mainstream mm-hmm. ecosystem that everybody talks about, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you look at the front pages of YouTube unlogged uh, out. It's completely different to somebody who's, you know, uh, really loves, um, I'll bring you, you know, sort of my anecdote like somebody who grew up on metal music, right? Right, right. And just like all of a sudden my channels are, you know, people who are obsessed with like, you know, whatever, like the dream theater or all that sort of right, stuff. Right. And, and you, you stick within that, that little ecosystem, you'll always be engaged mm-hmm. and you don't feel pushed into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into the weeds in terms of YouTube, and I'm sorry to sort of no, no. go on a rant here, but it feels it, it almost feels like the, like when platforms try to to jump into this social algorithm to mm-hmm. push engagement, yeah. it sort of destroys that community perspective. Absolutely. That that you know when you're you find your tribe and you're happy within that ecosystem, and yes, there's a lot of bad sides to that. Mm-hmm. But when you push, when you're pushing people too much to engage in other things that's not really their thing, like it just creates chaos and it just turns you yeah. off. And that's why. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll just uh, like finish my sort of thought before I let you talk. But uh, is you know that's why uh, platforms like you know Discord and Slack, yeah, and Discord and Slack and others that are more closed ecosystems are, mm-hmm. are turning to are, are becoming popular again. Last example is a big um, podcast publisher called twit that i've mm. been listening to for, to for the past 15 years sure they just regretted and you know sort of stepped back from all their social and built their own little forum ecosystem right. again and they're yeah. like you know we're going back to forums like this is way better yeah. for us like people really engage yeah have you sort of seen that a little bit on your side of things yeah for sure i mean i'm i'm i i despise algorithms i mean i understand there's lots of benefits to them in general but i think that the problem as a creative is that they essentially kill creativity so you can't try to be successfully creative 
in the algorithm environment. I mean, case in point was YouTube flew me down to California to the YouTube space LA, me and a bunch of Viners, um, Mm. and basically flew us down there for a two day thing. And it was to teach us, you know, like, you know, how to get hit the ground running on YouTube basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was really good information. There were, the people were lovely and, uh, you know, the YouTube space LA is amazing and all that kind of stuff. But the advice was take a look at what's on the trending page and try to do something like that. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> Nope. I was looking around the room going like all these people built their, you know, uh, careers, for lack of a better term, uh, in social media by not doing that. They all built it by doing exactly their own thing and that built their own audience and built their own community. So yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm hoping that uh, the the platforms will learn that people don't want that. Because I mean, I think even when Twitter came out with the option to go with chronological as opposed to, you know, interesting to you or whatever the hell the other option Mm -hmm. is. I mean, I immediately switched it over to chronological. It's like, this is why I like Twitter. I don't want to, I mean, if I want to go find something, I can keep scrolling back or I can go to someone's profile. I don't need the algorithm to guess at what I think I want to look at right now because I'll be stuck in a vacuum. I'll be in that bubble again. Yeah. I know why they, they force people to do that. It's, it's, it's more for the new ones because they've sort of hit the cap of like people who want that. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, how do we entice people that, uh, you know, don't want that, that want a little bit more openness or a little bit mm-hmm. more, you know, engagement? And how do they onboard those people? And that's why, you know, whenever somebody complains about an old feature going away or being shifted, it's like you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle because they right. don't care about the old creators they, they they don't care about the old users they care about the new users it's all onboarding for sure exactly yeah. it's all yeah. onboarding um and you know this is bringing it back also the youtube side of things sort of seeing hints and me and tom sort of like have had a little bit of discussions about this this is we feel like youtube's sort of you know sort of taking a step back from the whole social part of things um yes there is a social community there's a community boards on channels but and there is like their their little stories ecosystem but in terms of recommended uh, videos, I think it's gotten them in trouble over the last couple of years with yeah. extremist stuff. Yeah. And they're starting to realizing that, oh, you know, like, you know, recommending stuff based on an algorithm might not be the <laughs> ultimate yeah. uh, thing here. And it feels like they might be a, taking a step back towards the search and sort of giving search a little bit more its, its, its thing. Yeah. Because the way you grow views on search is by building a brand and making sure people are searching for it mm-hmm. and people are understand or want to look it up. And, you know, when you, and this is me sort of like going on a tangent yeah. again, this, this point is, is sort of like this perspective of like, you know, by, by making it about the algorithm, then you sort of lose a little bit of control or the opportunity for a brand to sort of like build its awareness yeah. using your platform. Right. Like, yeah. you know, your brand is growing when people are searching it more. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there, there's a real importance to me. I think the one thing I wish YouTube would get into is lateral sharing. I would love to be able to, you know, if I'm subscribed to you, I would want to have a feed of videos that you have watched and said, you got to watch this, that you've, yeah. you know, you've re-YouTubed as such. And that would mean more to me than I, you know, recommended next. Even now, as smart as it is, I mean, it's incredibly smart. Um, I was watching, I'm doing some filming next week and I was trying to figure out how to do this car mount and all this kind of stuff. And in the videos it was recommending, it was like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, that's not what I want. So I didn't even really pay any attention to them at all. And I'd, I'd be much more, you know, 
yeah, there's a few uh, cinematographers that I follow that I'd be much more inclined to go to their feed or recommended feed and see, oh, great, they said this is the one to talk about, it. this is the one to watch. Hmm. Um, that would mean more to me. I think that's the biggest problem with YouTube is that there's no lateral sharing. And yeah. seeing I mean, the same problem with Instagram as well is that it's, you know. True. Yeah, you know, they've gotten away with that. With that. Yeah. Anyways, enough ranting about the platforms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stuart, tell people where to find you. What's the the platform that you want people to sort of? Pay oh man, take all. Don't stick. Don't have, no platform loyalty, Carlos. No platform loyalty. Uh, just search for email, Astro email subscription. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Even that. Does that still work? Now, sure. It does. Yes. Um, just look for Brittle Star on any platform yeah. and you'll find me. I'm the good looking awesome. guy in the glasses. Yeah. And obviously pay attention to what's happening with uh, social media North. Is mm-hmm. there going to be any sort of like video coming out from like, you know, maybe, you know, recording the, the panels and stuff like that? Yeah, there will be. So there will be uh, certainly the, all the panels and such and social media North will be filmed uh, and hopefully stream. But I think people will be streaming it themselves as well. So we're not going to worry too much about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then more interestingly, I think, uh, not more interestingly, but also interestingly <laughs> is uh, I've actually been filming this whole process since last spring. Wow. Uh, so documentary and how to build the VidCon in Canada. Well, that's right. It was either it's either going to be a story about how it failed or it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's, you know, both of them work. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what I figured. I It'll think be a good video regardless. Work. Yeah. Exactly. I'm actually piloting a web series myself mm. with a friend that, you know, I, I've never been a good cr- content creator and, you know, it's taken my friend to sort of like push me a little bit to right. sort of get it done. And our first video it's a little product focused, right. uh, but our first video, like the product failed. Right. So yeah, yeah. we're like, I'm like, wait a minute, that's actually a good thing. That's great. Right? Like it's yeah. not a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So that's the part that I love about the, this ecosystem. Content's content. Exactly. Thank you very much for joining us and joining me and uh, we'll be seeing you online and I'll be seeing you at social media. Now. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you, Brittle Star. Thank you, Stuart, for joining uh, me. And, uh, you know, we did have a few technical glitches. Last few podcasts, we've had a lot of technical glitches. So sorry about that. But the reason I call him the, you know, Hank Green is just because he's sort of like the adult in the room. Like he he knows who he is and he knows what what these platforms can do to him, do to us. So that's why I sort of call him the Hank Green of Canada, but not because less about the YouTuber, how he makes content, but just how responsible he is. He's often on local television uh, talking about the latest trends. And, you know, I'm always amazed at his, his speed in, in releasing content that's so of the news. I think he's literally, you know, wakes up every morning, has his coffee and just looks at what's happening and then records a quick video of what's happening, a quick sketch that he'll he'll write up. Yeah, and I, I think you have to be that fast, especially when, like you said, he's not necessarily only operating on YouTube. And when you're looking at those other platforms where kind of virality is more important, um, you have to be totally on trend to, you know, really cut through on Twitter or Facebook. So it seems like he's really got his processes uh, down to a T. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's also like he kind of has to, like his he one of the negatives of the way he does it is that you kind of always have to be on you have to oh yeah. you can't just you know sit back and say okay my my old videos are gonna you know help me out but uh i mean he's got it done pretty well he's been doing it for many many years at this point so i'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with uh, social media north 
although I'm crossing my fingers now considering everything that's happening. I think it's, a, it's an amazing that he got it. He, he's getting that done. And I'm seeing a lot more attention here locally uh, on it uh, these days. So I'm having clients even start asking me about it. So it's really interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. And what is it that you're actually going to be talking about there, Carlos? Because you, as you said, you, you're going to be uh, holding a session at Social Media North. What are you going to be talking about specifically? <laughs> he told me last week. Hold on. <laughs> I need to double check. Oh, that is just... So you mean you don't have your PowerPoints ready already? It's not. No. First off, I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing a uh, PowerPoint. I'm. Uh, it's more of a, a, a sort of panel. Panel. Oh, with, yeah. I love. Uh, I love a good panel. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I, I, you know, I love a good panel. I'm in. I'm on with quite a few veterans in the scene uh, locally. I'm with Matt Santoro and uh, Harley Morenstein from Epic Mealtime. Oh, nice. We're talking about like, the, you know, building a business and long-term business on, on the platform in general. And, uh, I'm gonna have to double check on that, but you know, I had literally had to bug Stuart last week say, Hey, by the way, what the hell am I talking about? What the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was a great interview. I loved how kind of humble he was and family orientated. That's really, really cool. I love what he said about um, realizing that once you've got a certain size catalog, you can start to do like reruns and best ofs and stuff like that. And I don't think there's an, there's enough of that that happens. People have got this giant catalog of assets and they're really not leveraging that, that existing catalog, that back catalog. And they're just always concentrating on getting the newest and the latest out. But that can be really, really powerful, you know, especially to, for bigger companies. He's one of the only ones that I see really doing that uh, really well. And, you know, every time there's a piece of news that he's talked about in the past, and he has this awesome giphy uh, of him looking out the window with eating uh, Lay's potato chips. And, and it's it's this awesome gif of him, you know, and, and uh, the caption is uh, watching American news. <laughs> and he's just looking out the window worried. <laughs> it's so typical. It's like the uh, quintessential Canadian sort of a perspective. Yeah. The only thing that I took umbrage to was that oh, he said cool. that, oh, you know, you know, Canada gets everything at last. And uh, I, that's definitely not the case because I remember, you know, following you for years, Carlos, and you're like, oh, we just got this. We just got this. I'm like, oh, you Canadians get everything first. Because <laughs> over, over in over in the UK we get everything so late, it's crazy. Um, yeah. so, you know, YouTube Premium didn't come to us like until two years later, something like that. So yeah, pretty crazy. So Stuart, you're not as hard done by as you think. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we're we're uh, spoiled because we're right next to the states, so we see the states getting everything first, and then we're like, oh goddamn, yeah. We're last. yeah. All right. So thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you very much to our sponsor, uh, TubeBuddy, who has been our sponsor since the beginning. TubeBuddy takes your channel to the next level and gives you the tools to boost subscribers, views, and engagement. Tom, where can people sign up? Yeah. If you visit videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy, you can get an exclusive, world-exclusive, multi-channel license discount. That's videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Have a good one, everybody. If there's anyone else out on the scene that you'd love us to talk to, please let us know at 
Video Insiders on all of the socials or hello at videoinsiders.fm on the email. Uh, or if there are any newsworthy topics or subjects you'd like us to cover, please let us know. And if you haven't done so already, please give us a thumbs up, a like, and a, a review on the old Apple podcast, obviously, if you're listening on a iOS device. If not, then you'll have to share us. Thanks, guys. See you in the next couple of weeks.